Let's do this. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1. And then you can also uh, turn to Ephesians 3 and verse 20. We'll be reading just those two verses of Scripture as you're turning there. It'll be on the screen as well. But as you're turning there, um, I was, as I've been really meditating and ruminating on uh, what happened in here Sunday and the idea of Pentecost Sunday. I've really been thinking not just of the Word and about the Word and what was said and what was experienced in here, but also what that moment meant in church history, what that moment meant in history, not just church history, but in history. And I think it's important that we uh, graduate past, a lot of times as, as charismatic or Pentecostal believers or spirit-filled believers, whatever you want to call that, a lot of times we get caught up in the activity of that moment and we lose sight of the purpose behind the moment. Or we lose sight of the momentum that was built from that moment and sustained and carried by the early church. And so what we do, especially because Pentecost Sunday in, in America, I'm talking about church in America, uh, what we do is we have, because Pentecost Sunday butts right up against summertime, a lot of times we'll come in here with a real high expectation and a real high energy level and we'll have a powerful service like we did on Sunday and then we go on vacation. <laughs> A lot of that has to do with the timing of the year. It's summertime. But uh, I, I, we go, some of us go on vacation right here. And I want to, uh, my, my goal, my hope tonight is to, I was dealing with my own convictions. And I just felt a, a, a real uh, impression of the Lord that I needed to share this word tonight. It's something that God has been dealing with me about as well. So let's dive right in. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's important to, to slow down and read that slowly and really see it. You shall receive power. When? After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Ephesians chapter 3, and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, watch now, according to the power that worketh, or New, New International Version would say, according to the power that is at work within us according to the power that is at work within us but you shall receive power tonight I'm going to talk on a topic that I'm calling the power grab the power grab put that in your comments the power grab if you're in here just repeat that after me the power grab the power grab if I was to subtitle this I would call it we've got some work to do we've got some work to do dear heavenly father I love you tonight I feel your presence here and I pray that your anointing just continue to settle in this building and in each room of each viewer that's watching online. God, we rest on you tonight. We lean on you. We know there's a lot going on in America. We know there's a lot going on globally right now. And a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And some of it can drive fear into the hearts of people. And God, we just thank you that you are with us. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are right there with us. And we lean on that today. 
And we ask you, God, the spirit that is in us, help us to activate it. The spirit you have laid on us, help us to activate it and show that we are certainly a light in the midst of darkness. That there is hope to the hopeless. That there is a place that they can go to, a person in Jesus Christ that we can run to and be safe. God, I love you tonight, and I pray that you just help me to articulate this word tonight to your people the way you gave it to me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. My hope is um, that uh, I, we'll just kind of feel out how this word gets pre presented, but my hope is at the end of this, if nothing else, you take away from he here tonight an urgency about the Spirit of God and the power of God that rests in you. Not just an urgency, but an excitement, uh, a, a, a brightness of vision that says, man, I can't believe that God trusted me with the gift that he has given me. Now, we, we, we celebrated Pentecost Sunday this past Sunday, and um, the, the Acts chapter 2, or the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, is all about um, the power of the Spirit of God being given to his people. It's a gift. It's all about the Spirit of God being given to his people. Pastor said on Sunday, uh, a lot of theologians call it the dividing line between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit, it's important to understand, is manifest uh, or employed through God's people. I'm going to say that again. The ministry of the Spirit of God is manifest or it is employed through God's people. The ministry of Jesus was employed through himself. He was, he was present. He was in the flesh. He was here. And his ministry was all about what he was accomplishing. He had his disciples, but in the end, he was the one that had the power. And he released that power to his disciples in moments. But when it comes to the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit can't even be activated unless his people take hold of it and walk in it. No longer is the ministry relegated to one person or a few people. Now it's been opened up to all of us. So when the veil, when Jesus died on the cross, and it says that the veil was torn in the Holy of Holies, it's as if a doorway was slung wide open and the Spirit of God was released into the earth. And he was able to run free throughout the earth. Pastor Rick, way back in the day, preached one of his best messages, and I pray that one day he'll preach it here. It's when mercy ran free because the mercy seat was found in the holy of holies and when that and the only person that could go in there was the high priest and he could only go in there one time a year and you had to believe that he was going to do what he needed to do to atone for your sin in that meeting at the mercy seat but when Jesus died on the cross and that veil was rent mercy ran free mercy was no longer closed behind a curtain but it was wide open to come to you and me can I get an amen for that so for the power of the Spirit, or, or, or for the power of the ministry of the Spirit to be active or activated, we have to engage it. We have to engage it. Somebody say the power grab. The power grab. The power grab. So the idea being this, that uh, what I've seen over the last year and a half, two years, maybe a little longer than that, is everybody is looking for the upper hand. Everybody is looking for an opportunity 
or a space in which they can step in and assert their influence, their ideas, their agenda, their opinion, whatever, to gain some kind of control or power, whether it be COVID, whether it be social issues, whether it be political upheaval, whether it be a tragedy, no matter what the case may be, everybody is looking. It's almost like everybody's just waiting to pounce on a moment to take advantage of a power grab. Well, I can take advantage of this horrible situation to try to gain some influence over your thinking. I can take advantage of this crisis so that I can maybe get you to fall in line with what I'm trying to accomplish in the earth, whatever that the case may be. And we've seen this. We're not blind to it. I don't have to go into detail about that. This is, this is what a power grab is. That's what it means for a power grab. It's, it's looking for an opportunity to assert your influence, your ideas, your agenda, or something along those lines. And so this notion has been very popular over the past couple years. We see people trying to take advantage, so much so that this, this term, power grab, has even found its way into the dictionary now. Now you can actually look at this phrase and, and get a, a clear meaning for it. So let me share it with you. I want you to see it, and, and please be hearing with spiritual ears tonight, because my ho- even though we'll speak practically most of the night, I want to try to impart or, 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 or leave you with something that you can take with power. So here with spiritual ears. Amen? Amen? So here's the definition of power grab. The attempt or action... Of acquiring or accomplishing something that was previously unattainable, but is now possible through newly acquired power. I'm going to say that again. The attempt or action of acquiring or accomplishing something that was previously unattainable, but is now possible through newly acquired power. So when we see the apostles... And the disciples sitting in an upper room, and the Spirit of God comes into that room and sets on them, even each of them with cloven tongues of fire, and baptizes them with power. They don't rest in it. They took advantage of it. So the Spirit comes in there, and how many of you know you can't have power without the Spirit of God? And so when the Spirit rushed into this room, they didn't let it be an experience. They grabbed hold of it and put it to work immediately. Somebody say immediately. This, was called, this is what's called a power grab. A power grab. God is Spirit. God is Spirit. John 4, 24. Jesus speaking. God is a Spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and truth. And when he's talking to, and when he's saying this, he's talking to the woman at the well. And it's interesting because what he's trying to do is say, listen, I'm trying to break you out of your mindset here. I want you to throw the limits off God. God is not limited. So I want you to hear me. God is a spirit. This is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. God is a spirit, and you must worship him in spirit and truth. What he's trying to convey to her is that God has no limits. What do you mean, preacher? This is what I mean. She's telling Jesus after he tells her something about herself that there's no way he can know. He tells her about her husband's, and the man she's living with is not her own. And she says, 
well, you know, we used to worship, we worship on that mountain, and you say worship in Jerusalem, and God, Jesus tells her, no, 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 you're putting limits on God. You're confining him to something. And the, the hour is coming, and now has come, because I am here, that we're throwing the limits off God, because God is a spirit. You cannot limit God. His ways are not our ways, his thoughts are are not our thoughts, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. They are so much higher than ours that we could never comprehend them if we wanted to. That means this, that your definitions, my pres pre uh, presumptions or presuppositions about God cannot confine him. However, we like to do that. We like to use our definitions or our presumptions about God to confine him into a space or a box that he is not supposed to be confined in. What do you mean? So I could say something like, uh, we believe that anything is possible. We believe in miracles. And the majority of you in this room would agree with that. The majority of you would say, yes, God is a God of miracles. He can do anything he wants to do. But not all of us believe that he'll do it with anyone he wants to do it with. Because we, we like to put limits on God like this. We say, if you do this, this, and this, you can experience a miracle. But what about the woman caught in the act of adultery? She was thrown at his feet, and all the, all the presumptions, all the presuppositions, all the definitions that the Bible, the law, everything else gave was wiped clean in the dirt by Jesus because there are no limits on God. I'm going somewhere. I hope you hear that. Now that seems real trite or simple. There's no limits on God. No kidding, Pastor Josh. There's no limits on God. He is God. He is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He is, he is God. There's, of course there's no limits. However, we put limits on him in our life because of the way we think or the way we've been indoctrinated concerning God. Amen. Stay with me. God is a spirit. And this is important because he cannot be rationalized. What he does cannot be logically or analytically explained most of the time. A lot of times this will mess with planning. We like to make plans about how we're going to do a thing. And sometimes that's not how God has it laid out. It's like the example of the people of God wandering in the wilderness for 40 years when they were only 14 or 16 day journey from the promised land. But somehow they stayed there for 40 for, for however many years, 40 years in the wilderness and never stepped in it. Why? Because that wasn't the plan. That wasn't God's plan. Well, why didn't they have an agenda with this? Because that's not how God did it. That's not how God did it. God doesn't like to deal with our arrangements up here. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but what? The purpose of the Lord will prevail. And so this is an important understanding to come to because Understanding that God is a God without limits means that your definition of who God is and how he acts and what he does and who he does it with is not accurate. Why? Because it goes beyond that definition. You cannot articulate that. Now unto him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than what I think, what I imagine, what I could ask. Why? Because there's no limits on him. To explain the capabilities of God is impossible. To explain or rationalize what he does and what he doesn't do is impossible. You can't do it. You can't do it. God is a spirit, and he is limitless. Spirit, pneuma, that's the Greek word. 
in John chapter 4 that Jesus uses, pneuma. And it literally means the breath of God or the wind of God. The breath of God or the wind of God. The first time we see the spirit of God is in Genesis. And God created the heavens and the earth, right? We know this. And the spirit of God is hovering. So we have three ingredients. We have the earth, we have God, and we have the spirit. We have God, we have the spirit, and we have earth. God spoke, the spirit acted, the earth responded. Right? God spoke, the spirit acted, the earth responded. That is the formula for just about everything in life. The equation for purpose is God speaks, the spirit acts, and we, the earth, respond. The equation for abundance in your life is God speaks, the spirit moves, we respond. The equation for peace in your life is God speaks, the spirit moves, and we respond. The problem is we get caught in between God speaking and the spirit moving, and we forget our responsibility in the whole thing. Somebody say power grab. And so watch Numa, breath of God. So watch what happens in Genesis, we know the Lord formed man, Genesis 2-7, out of the dust of the ground. He makes him of earth, right? And he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. He breathes, it, pneuma, it's the breath, it's the spirit of God. He deposits into man, and the man becomes a living, active soul. So when God breathes into Adam, not only does he give him life, but he gave him the authority to name animals. So now because of this breath, he has an authority to call things, and that's their name. That's what they become. Sorry, I keep messing with this mic because it keeps falling off my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he, get, he breathes life in them, and he has the authority to call them, and they become what it is. He has the, the breath of God is in him, and because of it, it gives him the ability to be fruitful and multiply. The breath of God is in him and it gives him the, the ability to have dominion on the earth. This is the original intention of God for us in the earth. Is that the spirit of God dwell in us and because of it we can walk out the plan of God. Because we are to be carriers of the spirit of God. He, we were made in his image. We were made in his likeness. What that literally means is we're supposed to be a reflection of who he is and function like he functions. What did I just say? If God is limitless and God is spirit, we have those same things living down inside of us. Even the Bible tells us that the same spirit that quickened or arose or raised Jesus from the dead can quicken our mortal bodies or he's in us. We have that same spirit always reflecting, always functioning like he does. Amen. Don't forget the definition for this word power grab the attempt or action of acquiring or accomplishing something that was previously unattainable but it is now possible through a newly acquired power why is this important because we have work to do we have an assignment we have a job 
we have a responsibility to something. And it's our role to step into that and start walking it out. We have something inside of us that can make a difference on the outside. I'm going to say that again. We have something on the inside that can make a difference on the outside. The problem is when we look at society, when we look at the world, when we look at news, when we look at social media, when we look at the condition of things, when we look at inflation, when we look at gas prices, when we look at all of these things that we're looking at, we look at it and say, well, that is impossible or that is hopeless or what can I do about it? And there's no way to accomplish what we're really trying to accomplish here. There's no way it can happen. And the reality is God is a God with limits and so we need to realize we have that same spirit in us I have that same power in me I can I felt convicted this week because I'm not gonna lie to you I, I felt I was really touched by the Holy Ghost on Sunday I was really touched by the Holy Ghost the week before Sunday. I was very grateful for what God did in me in those moments. And this week, I felt like God was really challenging me. Are you just going to continue? You work for the church. You're there day day in and day out. So are you going to use that as your I'm advancing the kingdom excuse? Or are you going to take this moment where I've put this power up on you and up in you and step out into something new or touch something that I've been waiting on you to come to this revelation of so that that person could, be, could receive the same thing that you've received and they can be changed and touched. Power. The Holy Spirit, Romans 8.11 the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. He will give life to your bodies in the same way. Everybody say power. power. Dunamis. Dunamis. Thank you, Chief. You guys know this word, right? Dunamis. It's the word. We, give me that mic. I'm going to just. back here so forgive me <laughs> um dunamis the same word we get dynamite from but when he baptizes us with power i want you to see this and i'm going to slowly read these because i i know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the people watching and the people in this room right now you're not ignorant people you're studious people and you're, you're hungry to see the next place that God wants to take you. So I really want you to hear these definitions. I'm not really going to expound on them. I'm just going to read them. I'm just going to read them. Power. Power. This is in the Hebrew. Inherent power. Or power that is residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. In other words, it, it gets so deep in you that it's just natural for you to be supernatural. Yeah. Power. Power for performing miracles. When do we get scared to lay hands on people and see them recover? We prayed for Butch on Sunday. I don't hope he's going to be healed. I can't wait to hear about what God does in his life. 
Why? Because I believe in the power that God has given us. When you have that many saints synergizing their faith at one time, power to perform miracles, power, moral power, and excellence of soul. The Spirit of God can empower you to be nice. The Spirit of God can empower you to be kind. So we would like to read that moral power as you're not going to do this and you're not going to do that and you're going to morally live right. That goes without question. You shouldn't need the Spirit of God to enable you to live right. That should be something you should be able to self-discipline yourself to walk in. But if you have a naturally mean spirit, maybe the Spirit of God can drop some kindness on you. We got too many mean Christians. The power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. How many of you know that money, Ecclesiastes says that money answers all things. And wealthy people can get in doors that some of us can't get into. And wealthy people can have a voice with people that we would never be able to have a voice with. Well, when you have the Spirit of God on you, it gives you that same kind of access. You might not have the same money, the same wealth, the same family lineage as somebody else, but all of a sudden you find yourself standing in a room with very influential people, and they're all looking to you for an answer. This is the power that God is. Somebody say power grab. Power and resources are rising from numbers. In other words, you're like Elisha when he's standing there and there's all the prophets of Baal and they're doing all their thing. And he's there by himself. And the power that was on him was like the same power that was on all of them. And we see God sending down fire and licking up his whole sacrifice. And all of them were wiped out. Why? Because he had power. Just one man. Just one man. Power. Power. Power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, and, and hosts. In other words, you have the power to come up against spirits and armies that would try to come against you. And just, just through the spirit of power that is on your life, you can speak against it and see it dispelled or dispatched. Are y'all with me tonight? Okay, Acts chapter 1. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and watch this and you shall be witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. First Corinthians two, verse four through five. And my speech and my preaching were not with per- persuasive words of human wisdom, but watch in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know what separates us as believers? The spirit of the Holy Ghost. Because it's through his power that Jesus was raised from the dead. It's through his power that we get to live the way we get to live. See, if I can convince you to be saved, anybody can convince you to go join another religion. That's what Paul is saying here. That you, are not, uh, that you should not rest or your faith, your belief system, should not be in the wisdom of men or something that somebody can articulate to you but it's in the demonstration of the power of God. See, there's a difference when you experience that power and when somebody tells you about that power. You cannot, the power of God cannot be articulated unless it's through your testimony. 
See, I can sit here and say the power of God heals, the power of God delivers, the power of God breaks yokes, the power of God sets people free, but the only reason I'm able to even say that is because I've seen it. I felt it in my own life, and I've experienced it. He's healed my body. He set me free from addictions I shouldn't have had. He broke yokes off my family lineage. Why? Because I've experienced it, and I, the only reason I can articulate it is because I have a testimony. Why did he give you power? You shall receive power so that you will be witnesses. Witnesses. It's a witness that shares a testimony. I don't have to go through that. It, and that's why the Bible says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's the action of the power of God. The blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb on us and because of that we have a testimony and that brings overcoming power are you seeing this your testimony is what makes you a witness the only way you have a testimony to articulate is if the power of God has been demonstrated in your life it's the only way you have it it's the only way you have it so when every when when we talk about things like high things and principalities and, and spirits in regions like we did last week and, and breaking generational curses and breaking uh, generational spirits that are on family lineages and all that. You can't even address that. You can't even touch that unless you're walking in the spirit of God. That's why people come to church, they feel some kind of breakthrough, they live okay for about a week or two, and then after two weeks, they go right back into the rut they're going through. A couple weeks later, they find themselves back in the altar, and that's good because at least they're coming back to the house. But the reality is you don't have to live in that cycle. God has given you an answer to break through that cycle and live a free life, a life full of power, life full of dunamis where you can walk in the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. I'm going to skip way ahead here because it's 740 and I've been talking for about 30 minutes. I don't, want to, I don't want to bore anybody, but I'm trying to empower you in a practical way because too often... Uh, we, I, I've said this already, but I feel impressed to say it again. Too often we get too rah-rah. There's nothing wrong with our, uh, engaging our emotions. We should. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. God is an emotional God. We should be engaging like that. We should be uh, going because there's an energy, there's a synergy that happens. There's spiritual things we can't even see that are happening during those moments. But we just walk away from them and we don't ever walk out or walk in the power that we were given or entrusted with in that moment. In Acts chapter 2 when it says that God filled the house, it literally means he infected them with his power. Over the past year and a half, we've learned a thing or two about infection. We've learned a thing or two about a, a contagion or a contagious disease and how easily it can spread in a moment. And how all it takes is somebody not realizing what's going on with them and being around the wrong person. And they can catch it and something can happen to them. And some people get it to a greater degree than other people get it. And some people could be carrying it and be asymptomatic and not even know that they're carrying it. And all of a sudden they just happen to rub up against somebody else. And that person gets it to a level that might be the most extreme. 
What am I talking about right now? That is what Jesus or God did when he blew his spirit into that upper room that day. He filled them. He infected them with his power. There are some people that will get the most extreme infection of God's power from people that don't even look like they have anything going on in their life. But just a simple statement of, did you ever hear about Quest Church? My friend told me about that. Next thing you know, they're the most on fire person in this church. They're the most. And so he, infect, he filled the whole house and they were all there. That's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. They were all there. But watch, the fire rested on each of them. There's a difference between all and each. The reason it rested on each of them is because we needed everybody there to have the experience. But the fire wasn't just for everybody. It was for each of us. Each and every one of us. Because there's a role, there's a job, there's a responsibility. So Peter stumbles out, we know the story, and, and he preaches, and he's drunk, and all this. And all of a sudden, 3,000 people are added to the church. 3,000 people are added to the church because this man was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible goes on to say, if you just keep reading the story, that their hearts were pricked. It literally means their life source was engaged with a hunger for Jesus, for a hunger for the Spirit of God, for a hunger for what he could do. And so as it's pricked and they're engaged in this moment, they ask the pertinent question that why aren't we asking? Read it for yourself in Acts chapter 2. I'm skipping over everything to get to this. What shall we do? That's what they asked the disciples when they stumbled out and they preached. They asked, what shall we do? See, when the power of God really hits you, you're ready to get involved in what he's doing. You're not ready to just be pampered with another experience, another service, another whatever. You're ready to get involved with what he is doing. I want to encourage you, Quest Church. It's not time for us to lay back in the cut. We've been talking like this for about a month. And there's a reason for it. Because God is, God is charging and challenging his people to step up, Amen. to walk in the authority and power that I've given you. Make it a power grab. It's a, it's a power that is newly acquired, which gives you the ability to accomplish something you weren't previously able to accomplish. God, it, you're... I tell you what, you used to be scared to walk into your office and let somebody know that you were a Christian because you heard them talking about the ridiculousness of religion and how you think it's a, they think it's a farce and a lie and all a manipulation to control people. And God is going to give you the courage to walk right into that water cooler next time up and you're going to look right at them and say, I don't know about you. You may think that, but I know the power of God unto salvation. For me, it wasn't just an experience where I got on my knees and said some prayer and walked out a door and now I read my Bible and go to church. No, I experienced the power of God in my life because I was in depression I was in a dark hole and there was a spirit that was messing with me and all of a sudden out of nowhere Jesus dropped down up in my life and I spoke to that spirit I told him to get up out of my life and I've been living free and full of joy ever since that's a testimony 
That is being a witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other uttermost parts of the world. What he's saying there is there's nobody exempt from this message. Quit limiting God. God is a spirit and he's limitless and his spirit is now on you and in you. And it's important that we don't let it just go dormant. According to the power that is at work in you. At work. Say that with me. At work. Put it in the comments. At work. At work. At work. At work. It's at work. It's working. It's active. It's employed. It's not on unemployment. There's nothing wrong with unemployment. Follow me. It's on, I, when I go to the restaurant right now, there's open tables, and I can't sit in them because there's not enough waiters because they're at home. Where are they not? At work. They're not at work. God can do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably, Above all we can ask, think, or imagine. I don't know about you but or your kids, but my kids have an Im- huge imagination. And to think that God can exceed it according to the power that is at work in you. Not the power that God is working in you. The power that you have at work in you. What happens in the natural many times is assigned to what's happening in the supernatural. And what is happening in the natural right now is we have a workforce dilemma. We have too many people feeling like they're going to do better on unemployment than they would if they were employed. Spiritually, in God's churches, I see a bunch of people sitting in chairs or sitting at home watching online that feel like they can do better just hanging back than they could if they put the Spirit of God that is in them to work. Because it doesn't take all that. I'm just trying to make sure I'm okay. And it's time for the people of God to get off the stimulus mentality I'm not preaching politically. I'm preaching to your spirit right now to get off the stimulus mentality and start getting back to work with what God has told you to do. Faith without works is dead. It's dormant. It's dormant. In Acts chapter 2, it says they were all in one place. They were all in one accord. And they were sitting there. Why? They were doing what they were told. They were sitting there. And if you skip down, I believe it's in verse 14. Could be wrong. It might be 18. Read it for yourself. They were sitting there. Spirit of God comes in. And in verse 14, Peter stands up. And he went to work with it. He changed his posture from one of sitting and waiting to one of standing and active. I'm challenging the people of God tonight.
to get back to work. I'm taking advantage of this power grab opportunity and encouraging you to grab hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit that's been placed on you. Many, probably 95% of the people watching right now in this room and online have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you've let that power be inactive and unemployed for too long. And it's time to get up, take a shower, iron your clothes, get dressed, and put that power back to work. Get back to your desk, get back to your office, and do what God called you to do. And Acts chapter 2 closes with, and the Lord added to the church daily. The ministry of the Spirit of God only happens through His people. And it only happens when His people are willing to engage. His people are willing. We've been preaching this for a month, and I think this will probably cap it off. But Ephesians 5 tells us that the gifts of the of, of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, evangelist was given to us to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We got work to do, and it's time for us to step into our rightful place of authority and who we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully you received something tonight. Did you receive anything in here? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you this evening. I thank you. For your spirit, I thank you for your spirit that's on each and every one of us. God, I pray for everybody watching that you would just, God, prick their hearts. God, stir them up, prod them. God, give them the courage to rise up in zeal and fire and walk in the anointing. Not be weird, not be strange, but to walk in the authority and power of Jesus that you've rested on us. To see miracles happen to be supernatural in this natural world, to watch your spirit that is limitless do the impossible right before our eyes, to share the testimony of what you've done to us and allow us to be witnesses in Norman, in Moore, in Newcastle, in Blanchard, in Oklahoma City, in Dell City, in Midwest City, all throughout this region. God, help us, empower us, help us wake up to what you've given us and the responsibility that we have. We love you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.